0: Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Fully Grown Podcast, Ministry of Turner Christian Church. I am Pastor Jack.
1: I'm Pastor Rachel.
2: And I'm Pastor Matt.
0: Hello and welcome to this episode of the Fully Grown Podcast. Oh, I messed up my wording there, but this is a Ministry of Turner Christian Church, and you are listening to episode 130, which coincidentally is the time that we record the Fully Grown Podcast on yeah wednesday afternoon why
1: do you keep adding an r to that word i don't know
0: <laughs> procrastination that's a huge thing for me so podcast so on the first <laughs> leg uh we're, we're the,
2: all very tired we had a long last couple of days and a long couple of weeks <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah it's <laughs> one of those times in life where you're like man the last few days have felt very long and you look ahead and you're like <laughs> Here we go. <laughs> no. yes, do you
1: remember the slowness of the last few days in comparison to the busyness of the coming weeks? Yeah.
0: I don't know if I remember any slowness <laughs> from the past few days. It's being silly. Huh. Yeah. Okay. We're all being silly today. But welcome in. <laughs> to the silliness. To the silliness. <laughs> to our silliness. Um, the, the first thing that we're going to do today on the Fully Grown Podcast is that we are going to chat about Easter.
2: Perhaps you've heard of it.
0: Perhaps. Not necessarily the events that Easter celebrates, but perhaps the events that are actually happening on this year's Easter Sunday.
2: Yeah, because the past couple of weeks we talked about Maundy Thursday and then Good Friday. And yes. Those you said Easter. it
1: right. I'm I so did. proud of you. Yeah.
2: Twice in a row now. Friday. Yeah. Black Friday? Good Friday. <laughs>
0: <laughs> did you say that last night, too?
2: I said it correctly at the elders' meeting last night, but then I pointed out that I had said it correctly. (laughs) I couldn't remember for a second.
1: You made made like a normal statement into like a very dramatic moment of like, look, see,
2: I did it right. (laughs) We were talking in an elders' meeting, and and I mentioned Good Friday, and then I paused my report to acknowledge to the other ministers that I'd said it right. Yes,
0: and the elders are just sitting there with blank stares on their faces, like, what's happening? I'm confused.
2: (laughs) So, Monday, Thursday good friday and now we're talking about easter
0: yes so
1: and we forget forgot the the very um historical traditional easter egg saturday
2: yes yeah uh. which is which is what the apostles were doing while jesus was in the tomb <laughs> <laughs> was scouring jerusalem <laughs> for, for eggs for 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 chocolate eggs, eggs. Good to feed themselves
1: yes <laughs> many people are not aware that cadbury <laughs> Nestle were around
2: yes or maybe maybe it's about like the jewish authorities trying to find the disciples while they're hiding oh. right, they're... <laughs> that takes part more 40s. of a darker
1: tone to <laughs> the child fun of so
2: the if children if are you're... playing the role of the jewish leaders trying to oh,
1: <laughs> <laughs> that's dark that's super dark so i'm just gonna like um pivot just slightly to remind everybody that um our easter egg hunt is on saturday it's at 10 a.m it's gonna be wonderful fun special easter message of coffee juice and donuts and eggs and no dramatic reenactments of anything (laughs) from the first century the the message
2: will not tell the kids that they're we should clarify
0: april 16th the saturday because this will be coming out oh tomorrow. i appreciate that jack yes, yes. Yeah.
1: april 16th yeah Monday, thursday good friday easter egg hunt saturday and easter sunday
2: yep
0: yeah what's I- going on on easter
2: so the first thing that's going on is a, a sunrise service which is a, an old tradition and we did it for the first time since i've been here last year and the thing i really like about the way we do the service is it pairs really well with good friday because I really like doing services during Holy Week to help us reenact the events. And so Maundy Thursday is about reenacting the Last Supper. We do a lot of the activities involved in it. And then on Good Friday, we tell the story while we have a a cross that stands in for Jesus. And we actually end up burying the cross in a tomb in the sanctuary and then leaving the sanctuary and closing the doors to symbolize the closing of the tomb. And then we leave from there and the sunrise service picks up on that story because we start the service in one location outside the sanctuary and we go to the sanctuary and enter as we tell the story of the women going to the the tomb and what they discover and uh it's just a really cool connection of these different um beats of the story and so in a way you get the Sunrise service that's kind of like the early morning discovery of the tomb and then you get this the regular service Which is more like the the encounter of the disciples um, With Jesus where they get this more like, like, You know, like it's a, it's a brief encounter between Jesus and the women and then when Jesus appears to all the disciples and they have more, you know a, a Something that they were able to reflect on more in there and, and it the service kind of ties with that and with communion that be, is part of how Jesus reveals himself to his disciples. And so it's a cool way to fit all those beats. The downside is it's at 6.30 uh, in the morning, but the upside is that I doubt the ladies uh, dressed up to go to a tomb. And so you're not expected to, to dress up. In fact, I've been to sunrise services where people are encouraged to show up in their pajamas and um, that would not be, I would not consider that amiss. Will you
1: be leading in your pajamas?
2: Yes, but I sleep in a three-piece suit.
1: <laughs> I knew it. <laughs> so, so
2: my my pajamas are more formal than most. Uh,
0: I kind of want to wear pajamas. Mine my pajamas now to that mid service. Yeah. That sounds fun. Um
2: that's so fun. so please don't feel like if you roll out of bed and man, and just manage to to get there, you know, you don't get Easter level dolled up. That's okay. Um there's time in between um that and brunch so um it's definitely i i I think there's there's a sense of of authenticity in that Mm -hmm. that that you're not dressed up to expect the resurrection you're going there in a state of you know the last time you saw the tomb it had a body in it Mm -hmm. and um and then we get to celebrate and then we go home and get dressed up because we know that jesus is alive or if you don't you don't have to get dressed up for Easter. the point is i've already made it
1: yeah yeah with, with all you're saying, what I'm really hearing is that I don't have to brush my hair for the morning service. Right. Yeah. <laughs> if, if people can, st- it, it's okay.
2: This is the one service where it is completely okay for people to be able to tell which side you slept on by your hair, right? You know, like you got the left side just sticking straight out. The other side, is, it's okay.
1: Uh, I will say that we will always welcome you on a Sunday, yeah. however you are. Yes. Yep.
2: Yep. <laughs> we do not have
1: a dress code. Come as you are.
2: Yeah. Um, and then after that we get our first potluck in a little over two years. Um, it's been years. It has, it's been years, which is tragic, but this will be a breakfast potluck. And I haven't been to a breakfast potluck before, but I'm excited because, because, uh, my personal thing about breakfast food is that it tends to be the most compatible, right? Like, like breakfast foods tend to mix together really well. You know, like, no, I I have personally never been worried about getting the syrup for my pancakes on my eggs or my sausage or my hash browns. Like, it all still tastes good. And so you don't need as many barrier foods. You know, you don't need to be as careful. Um, I mean, there are whole breakfast foods that are a matter of just mashing up the rest of them into one mega food. Yeah. And so I, I'm, I'm, I'm really about worried
1: that. that this is starting to become a podcast. That's really about potlucks.
2: <laughs> You're worried about that? I think that would be great.
1: It's, we have addressed the reasons that it stresses yeah. me out. Maybe we can, maybe we can talk about it again after I have experienced one and we're going to assume that it will be a success for me, positive experience. And we can come back to it after
2: Easter. Technically, this is a podcast about helping people be fully grown As Christians, Mm -hmm. and we haven't specified that that's only spiritual growth. Mm -hmm. Podcasts are a great form of or podcasts, potlucks are a great form of nourishment. So
0: are podcasts. So are podcasts. Some, some maybe not, but you know, yeah. Some may dwindle the nourishment. That isn't a (laughs) on on ours, but some others.
1: Some may siphon away your nourishment.
2: There's that one podcast that's that's just, just, Yeah. yeah yeah <laughs> anyway <laughs> so um then we have our full Easter service, which will be look like one of our regular services except that it'll be Easter and hopefully it'll be mm-hmm. um, bright and and decorated and joyous, especially joyous and we get to sing my perhaps my favorite hymn, which is um I always forget which part of the chorus is is the actual title. I think it's called Christ Arose. Rose. Pretty sure that's the title of it, Um, but it's also sometimes called low in the grave. He lay Hmm. low in the grave. He lay Jesus, my savior. I'm not singing up from the grave. He arose.
1: I I don't think I've heard this before. It sounds lovely.
2: It is like the greatest Easter song because it's it's really triumphal. And we will sing it every Easter. I'm here. It's
0: great. Fabulous. That that reminds me of a song. Oh, which, which song is it? The It's the one where, you ta- You know, I Ran Out of That Grave, that song. I love
1: that song. I hate that song, and I'm oh. sorry.
0: <laughs> I hate it. Because there, it, it doesn't have anything to do with a specific song. But the year I camp repped for Boise Bible College, mm-hmm. and you go out and you go to about 10 different camps throughout the summer, and they all was a song... It. It was a year that song came out uh-huh. and every single camp was like here's a new song and by the ninth camp you say, this is not a new song <laughs> to me this is a very old song and so that uh that song was just drilled into my brain and i was like i can't stand it so i apologize but yeah
2: i'm also a little too literal with the imagery and i'm imagining like lazarus all bound up in his in his burial claws trying to run <laughs> when like they had to untie him when he was actually raised and yeah so Anyway.
1: That was an image I didn't need in my head. Yeah, just a sprinting mummy. <laughs> <laughs>
2: it's always an adventure with the two of you. Then again, if I did wake up in a tomb, I would run out of it. <laughs> like, like, I would not dawdle. Yeah.
0: <laughs> You're telling the story later, and I ran out of that grave. Yeah. That would be a good Christian Sprinted. song I lyric. I was screaming. Yeah. yeah. Well.
2: Yeah. So, yeah, that's going to be Easter.
0: That's going to be Easter. and. Right. You should join us for Easter. Yeah. Um. If you listen to us across the world, you should join someone for Easter. I yeah. mean, you could join us online for Easter if you'd like to.
2: I would. I would go somewhere in person. Yes. And yeah. then watch us online. Yeah.
0: Because yeah. also, <laughs> if you're across the world, that could end up being the middle of the night that you join us for Easter, or, and it could be the next day.
1: Yeah, yeah. I think that if um if you're physically and safely able to be in in-person services that. Please go be in service. Yes.
2: But, you know, that was one of the, I remember that being a silver lining during the first COVID Easter. Afterward, I talked with people and there's like, yeah, I went to Easter, I went to Easter services all day. And I went to the church that I, I was at Easter at the church that I used to go to. And I lived over there and I, I got to check out a Catholic service and an Orthodox service and a Lutheran service. And we just spent the whole day in church. <laughs> Didn't used to be able to do that. Yeah. So. Cool.
0: Technology is good for some things.
2: Yeah.
0: yeah. On the second segment of the fully grown podcast today, what we are going to be doing is asking a few questions from. Uh, the most recent sermon, which was preached by our very own Senior Pastor Matthew, and we are going to ask these questions and um, discuss them a little bit, and I have the first two questions. And so my my first question is, in one of the points, you discussed the power that Satan has over Israel, and I was just wondering, who gives Satan this power? Uh, how does he get this power? Kind of, you know, who, who kind of gives him the power to have power over Israel, <laughs> if that's a properly worded question i don't know
2: yeah that's the one of the challenges of dealing with the role of satan in the bible and i know that the the way i approached him in the sermon on sunday was different than most people um, approach satan there's a lot of different ways to approach him but one of the things that we have to we definitely need to agree on is that satan is not god and he is not a god Uh, we are monotheists that means we believe there is one god and um so Satan, that means that we have to say, as an article of faith, that Satan ultimately has power by permission of God. Uh, he cannot have, he can't take power from God. He's not, he hasn't won any victory, like won any power from God. There's, there's no way that he's ultimately out of God's control. Mm-hmm. Um, people can disagree about the degree to, to about how much he has, how much independence he has and how much God is giving him permission as opposed to giving him instruction. But ultimately we have to say, if we're if we're gonna be monotheists, if we believe in one God, that Satan is a lower order creature who has whatever power he has by permission of God. Um, and that's where things can get a little bit complicated in terms of, uh, that's why like Satan, Satan is not, uh, we, we can't ultimately blame evil on Satan. Um, that's sometimes what we'll do is say that evil came from Satan, but that Satan is still a created being, and mm-hmm. it doesn't it doesn't actually help us um, like like it, that doesn't actually solve any of those problems of figuring out where evil comes from. Um, and so we have to say that it came from God. Now, in the way that I've been, what what I see in the Old Testament is the Old Testament is unanimous that his power is given to him by God because he has a role to play in god's court in each instance where satan comes up in the old testament he is playing a role that is delegated to him by god and the other interesting thing and when you go into the old testament there's no mention of demons but there are mentions of of bad spirits it's often translated as evil but it doesn't mean morally evil spirits it means spirits with a bad influence and those are often sent by god in fact mainly when they're real when they're acknowledged they are sent by god so god sent a bad spirit to afflict saul god sent a bad spirit to uh deceive um one of the kings of i think ahab um king of israel and so in the old testament those agents of um they're not agents of evil but they're agents of of punishment or they're doing something to um, obstruct Israel because Israel's in rebellion, they work for God. And so the way, I, I, the way it makes sense to me in terms of what scripture says in the Old and the New Testament would be then to see that Satan's power over the church, over or not over the church, but over, over humanity comes from the fact that he is God's kind of prosecutor slash jailer. And so, in, on the one hand, he has that power because God has delegated it to him. But th- on the other hand, he has that power over us because of the decisions we have made that put us in his power. It's kind of like, why does, if you were in prison, why does the prison warden have authority over you? Well, on the one hand, it's because the state appointed a prison warden. And so the state chose to give that person power. But on the other hand, they have power over you because you committed a crime. And got put in jail for it, right? And so, I would say that in Scripture we see those two sides of it: that humanity is in Satan's power because we're in the power of sin, and God has given over those in the power, those who are in rebellion against Him, to the power of the jailer. Yeah. Um. So I, I the subject of Satan is one that is um, complex, mainly because of what the Bible doesn't say. But the message that I wanted to get across in the sermon is that jesus is not fighting against god god is not jesus's opponent god's anger or refusal to forgive is not his opponent the name that jesus chooses for his opponent is satan Mm -hmm. but he connects satan with the power of sin so ultimately really the problem is our rebellion against god
0: yeah i find that subject so tricky and i also find me wanting to avoid talking about that subject often Uh because you know even even if i fully agree with you know certain views uh, uh, of it sometimes those views you know i'm like they don't sit well with me yeah you know just like like it then leads to the question well why does god allow satan to do what what he does you know um and questions of that nature where Mm -hmm. just it just doesn't sit well with me you know and i i think with you know kind of the idea of of you know jesus needed to appease god's anger Then you put the power back into God's court and you say, well, Satan is over there and he's, you know, like obviously he's still less than, but you just don't really have to worry about him in that whole situation then. Um, Because once you bring Satan into that equation, then it's like, it just doesn't sit well, very well with me, I guess you could say.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Like if we say, well, Satan made me do it. Mm -hmm. um, Then. Well, who allowed Satan to be able to make me do it? Like if Satan is responsible for Adam and Eve's sin, then isn't God ultimately responsible because he allowed this, uh, fallen angel to come in and influence us. Like he, that, that actually still puts the responsibility back on God. Mm -hmm. So it doesn't help us to blame Satan because Satan is an agent ultimately of God. And so I think that's why we need to, um. We need to come around to well it's it's our we are the ones who have decided to be in rebellion Mm -hmm.
0: yeah well my my second question um comes from the final point of your sermon where you talk about um, as we follow jesus we fight the same battle not against people but against the power of sin over their lives and my, my question just simply was why why do we so often sometimes think that um we are we are fighting against people because I find in, in conversations we kind of we see people as the kind of um, opponents of you know well if if these people weren't the opponent then they'd be a part of the church and so then we see them as well we need to fight them or we need to go against them why why do we so often kind of come to that conclusion?
2: I think it's because um, the person is not God's enemy the person might be my enemy mm-hmm. they might be in the way of what i want to do or they might be the the most visible obstacle to me and so i want to fight them it's kind of like like when you think of in times of warfare if you and i are on opposing armies we're not actually personally enemies um my enemy is the enemy of the army that i have enlisted in uh and but how often are there problems where soldiers will fight will will, will be violent in ways that are not you know, they're, they're not part of combat, yeah. you know, whether uh, there are all kinds of examples where an army will do th- or soldiers will do things against people who aren't a threat, who aren't actually enemies of their of their cause, uh, because we get caught up in who's in front of me. We get pot- caught up in our personal issues, our personal burns, a personal frustration, because if you're in front of me and you're in my way, then I it's it's easier for me to latch on to you personally as my enemy. Yeah, Um. And also our own goals get tied up in uh, in serving a, whatever higher cause we serve so that I want to serve this cause well. Right. And so my self-worth and my goals become tied up in that. And now you're an obstacle to me achieving very deep, yeah. deeply held personal goals or, or visions for how the world should go. And so it's, it's, I think ultimately it's a bit, it's a lot of it is, um, you know, getting caught up in ourselves and putting ourselves first because we're not actually thinking about God's priorities. We're yeah. not. And and that is a temptation that every single person faces. And so it's a constant battle to, to see things from God's perspective and to remember that we're serving His purposes, not our own. Yeah.
0: You know, I think there was a lot in the sermon where I saw kind of this, this idea of um, kind of scope is the word that's coming to mind. I don't know if that's really the proper word, but just this idea that you know, at the time, it was believed that Rome and, and you know, the individual groups of people were, were the enemies. And that's who we need to overthrow to achieve God's, God's plan. And Jesus was kind of like, nope, that's, that's way too narrow minded. Guess mm-hmm. what? There, there's a lot bigger of a plan here at work. And I kind of see that within, you know, our modern times and within our personal lives. Sometimes it's like, well, if we could just fix this problem. Then you know it'll all be it'll all work out great. And it's like, nope, that's a little bit too narrow minded. We need mm-hmm. to open it up a little bit and see, you know, what is God's overall plan? And God's overall plan involves, you know, sin and how we we conquer that. Not how do we conquer this person in front of me who I view mm-hmm. as my as my enemy. Right. And so that's throughout the entire sermon. That's kind of where my mind was taken yeah. with this idea of you know you got Rome right in front of them and they see them as these this is the enemy we need to fix that and jesus is here to do just that and jesus is like nope i'm not here to do that i'm here to do something very very different that's a lot lot you know bigger than what mm-hmm. you're yeah what you're viewing
2: which makes sense building on the story of the old testament because the if you look back at the old testament what you see ultimately one of the things that you'll see is the fact that liberating god's people from political bondage is not enough mm-hmm. otherwise they wouldn't need a second exodus. Yeah. Because there's all kinds of stories of God protecting the political independence of his people. Yeah. And overthrowing Egypt and protecting them from Babylon and Egypt and Assyria and yet they still were in rebellion against him mm. continuously. And so if we if that kind of liberation was enough, he wouldn't have had to do it again. Yeah. So they're not learning the lesson of the Old Testament. Yeah.
0: And even sometimes within that they then take the credit for it and say look what we did we don't need yeah. god and yeah. uh it's just false you know they need yeah. god the, the entire time
2: and even with the whole story available to us we still get pulled back into that mentality yeah. today that mm-hmm. if that if that obstacle if that uh group if that cause was eliminated from my way then everything would be fine mm-hmm. no no you would still be just as you know the world would still be full of broken human beings who need to be saved
1: Well, um, in the sermon, you, uh, talked about things that you had been taught growing up and how, um, as you've come back to, um, Texas as an adult and relooked at topics, you've come to different conclusions and, um, I was just thinking about the, the concept of deconstruction. That's a really like hot button word nowadays, and everybody wants to deconstruct everything that they were taught as a child and, and come to a new truth and a new understanding of things. Um, how do we do that in, in, in healthy ways? How do we make sure that Christ is influencing the way that we process
2: through those things? Ecclesiastes says there's nothing new under the sun. And I think that that's important to keep in mind when we talk about deconstruction as we have sometimes either fearful reactions to it or thinking that now we finally arrived. Um, What we call deconstruction has always been a part of the Christian faith. And we have people going through deconstructive experiences in the Bible throughout, Um, you know, the the apostle Paul went through a dramatic deconstructive phase of his life when he suddenly realized that Jesus was alive and he had to, he spent three years in the wilderness piecing back together um, what he believed and what he had been taught. And so deconstruction does not need to be a scary thing. Um, It also isn't like, you know, we've finally figured it out this generation and we're righting all the wrongs of the previous generations. Um, So first of all, I'd want to normalize what we call deconstruction. Um, second of all, I think that one of the dangers with deconstruction is that we will get caught up in the things that we realize either we conclude are not do not turn out to be true or don't, don't turn out to be consistent or the influences we've had in the past that we decide are not trustworthy. And we get caught up in those things and we lose sight of what hasn't been deconstructed. And so we will think, oh well, if this thing isn't true, then I can't trust any of it, and we throw the whole thing out the window. Um, that is a very easy knee-jerk reaction. It's very easy to get pulled into because also, I, I it's we don't naturally, we aren't naturally built with a patience for authentic deconstruction um it requires us to kind of go against our natures to be willing to really work through it and to not just just we want to be able to say oh well i figured out this part isn't true so i can abandon that whole thing and now i believe this and oh i'm glad i'm done with deconstruction because it's not pleasant um but there needs to be a patience to work through it and um so for instance um, I know there's a lot of fear that people have about deconstructing traditional interpretations of things like like Genesis one, one through eleven, or Revelation, and they feel like if I don't believe, and maybe they've even been straight out told, if I don't believe interpret this part of the Bible this way, then I can't believe the entire Bible and have to throw the whole thing out. And so now my biology teacher is causing me to doubt my entire everything I know about God. Uh, when in fact, there are Christians who believe all kinds of different interpretations of Genesis 1 through 11 and uh, believe that Jesus rose from the dead and follow him. So there are all kinds of options that are actually available to us in terms of how we can figure our interpretations of the Bible. And so I would encourage a person who's going through that process, first of all, to, um, to take it slow and to keep in mind the, the, thing, the things that are essential. Um, how exactly Genesis 1 through 11 fits together is not nearly as essential as did Jesus rise from the dead. Uh, the Bible puts a lot more emphasis on did Jesus rise from the dead. And I, I personally think, for me, that's what I come back to as I'm going through all this. Like, I'm not sure if I can, if, if you know, the, the archaeology doesn't seem to back this part of the story up. But I know that Jesus rose from the dead. And that keeps me secure and that allows me to engage with these other questions without being terrified that my the ground is being ripped out from under me. Because I do believe that Jesus rose from the dead. And I believe that there are, I mean, if you want to sit down, dear listener, and have a conversation over coffee about, about why I believe that, um, it's it's a we can go into all kinds of things about that Um, but i believe that that is a secure fact and that that doesn't mean that there won't be people who are needing to deconstruct that i'm just saying that it's easy for us to get overwhelmed by the process and and become afraid of it um the other thing i would say is that keep in mind as you're going through that process what kind of source are you going to trust because um for me it's easy for us to get caught up in finding sources that tell us what we want to be deconstructed we we decide i don't want to believe this and so i'm going to find sources that will say that i don't have to believe that and we're looking we're looking for permission to believe or not believe the things that we where we would be more comfortable or life would be easier that kind of a thing and it's important for us to base that action of deconstruction on sources that we legitimately believe we can and should trust and so for me a big part of my journey has been figuring out what kinds uh, who, who do I trust to teach me about what the Bible means who what kinds of evidence do I want to build my interpretation of the Bible on and so a big part of where I've come from is trust is wanting to hear from scholars who are familiar with the whole context of the ancient Near East as opposed to scholars who just try to piece together the Bible into a coherent system and just try and link to knit together verses from different parts of the Bible to make a uh, a systematic doctrine. I wanna hear from scholars who um, take the Bible seriously and read about the other other things that are going on in that culture or read about the Jewish context that Jesus lived in and, and are able to connect all of those things. And so for me that's an important part of it and and that helps guide me because i believe that 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 will provide um meaningful answers um and that has kept me from falling into beliefs that would be easier to believe but would not be as true um you know i i have i have worked around a lot on and this will come out some in the sermon on easter about why exactly does the death of Jesus 2000 years ago have an effect on me right now. And it's interesting to try and piece that together. And I'm a very logical, systematic person. And so I want to have a very neat, easily categorized answer to that. And, but the sources that I trust refuse to give that to me because they don't find it in scripture. Um, what they find is the Bible gives us a more, um, complex, uh, and more beautiful vision of what's happening in that moment, but it's not neat and systematic. And um, so I that makes I, I wish that weren't so, but I end up with a conclusion that does that that ultimately is more, I think is more trustworthy. Um, so those are the those are the thoughts that I would have, um, just having being an asteroid off the top of my head. And the last thing that I would say is um, don't deconstruct alone. Um, it's important to spend time alone in deconstruction, but if you just, you know, if you're doing it alone with nobody who can be sympathetic to your journey and can listen to your journey, uh, I don't mean necessarily find someone who will deconstruct for you. I don't think that's, that's the goal, but someone who can listen to your journey and someone who can reassure you and say, it's okay. You know, you're going to get through this and, and let me listen to where you're struggling or what you're dealing with. And, and, um, and that also means, the other side of that is if you are a Christian who knows someone who's deconstructing, sometimes we can get afraid of a person having that, that, going through that process. We can get afraid of where they might end up. We're afraid they're going to lose their faith or something like that. And so we decide to jump in with all the answers. And I think it's really important for us to be supportive of those who are deconstructing, to give them space to talk and to play around with things and to, to go through that journey.
0: I think another, you know, one of the things that I was thinking about, too, within that that conversation is um, going back to the viewing people as the enemy. I think sometimes when we reach the conclusion of, like, I want to deconstruct, um, at least for me, every once in a while it's been because someone has hurt me that's, you know, given me this information. And then I'm, like, all of a sudden kind of in my own head, like, thinking of them as, well, they're they're the enemy and I need to deconstruct this because of them and that creates a very unhealthy um you know approach to deconstructing because every single time that topic comes up you're thinking of this person yeah. um mm-hmm. and kind of making it more well, what uh, about you know what i want to discover through this than about the person that has led me to wanting to discover this i guess yeah is one of the things too
2: yeah it's it's often deconstruction is often a result sometimes it's just a result of new information Mm -hmm. but it's often a result of um hard experiences or disappointments or having your faith shaken by an experience with a person that you trusted Mm -hmm. and yeah you're right to keep those distinct or to to be aware of where that's coming from
0: We do want to thank you for joining us on the Fully Grown Podcast today. Um, we just want to remind you of all the services that are happening next week.
2: Monday, Thursday, on Thursday the 14th at 7 p.m. Good Friday, on Friday the 15th, Tax Day at 7 p.m.
1: Easter Egg Hunt, on Saturday the 16th at 10
2: a.m., sunrise service at 6 30 a.m here in the building easter brunch at 9 a.m in the fellowship hall and the easter service at ten thirty a.m here in the sanctuary
1: and then at 1 p.m we all collapse in a heap yes <laughs>
0: <laughs> so if you are wondering we do have stuff going on next week yeah um but because of all those services we will not be recording a fully grown podcast episode next week so there will be none at least on Thursday however the following week after that there will be an episode of the fully grown podcast where Rachel and I get to do whatever we want with it because yeah. the the senior minister is out of town so
2: yep because while you guys are collapsing on Easter I am getting my wife and I are getting our two small children and putting them on a plane with us to California and collapsing in the plane mm-hmm.
1: I can't tell from your face if you're like, look at us, be jealous, we're going away. <laughs> or if you're like, I'm jealous of you because you'll be in your beds.
2: <laughs> oh, no, 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 definitely. No, it's going to be a t- exhausting day. We did it last year, too, because my brother's in the Navy. And so these trips, like, coincide with important things happening in his life uh, and his family. Um, but it's exhausting to when you want to go home at the like the end of the busiest week of the church year. And then, OK, now we'll get two small children on a plane.
1: Did you think about leaving Monday instead?
2: Yes. (laughs) We thought about it. There were birthdays involved. Uh, and I, I, I know that you understand the I importance do. of birthdays.
1: I do. I do understand. <laughs> and if you are listening to this and you are part of our church family and you want to come to my
2: birthday party this Saturday. Only if you're part of the church family. April oh. April 9th.
1: Well, if they're not, they probably don't live in the area. We're going
2: to dra- not- drive away anybody in the lake who's not part of our church. <laughs> we will not be doing like that. Like G- We will be following the example of Jesus by fashioning a whip and driving okay.
0: them <laughs> And Rachel will get into a boat and she will give a message from the lake.
2: (laughs)
1: Oh my gosh. (laughs) That was cool. I, the best part of my birthday, why I enjoy having a birthday, why it's my favorite day of the year, is because people I love gather together. Please do not sing me happy birthday. You do not need to bring a present or a card. Just show up. Have a good time. A threat, Jack. Have a good time. <laughs> I <laughs> always have a good time. What are you talking about? Have a good time. Hang out with people and then go home.
2: It's chill. You may be able to keep us from giving presents, but you may not prevent us from singing happy birthday. Uh, if I had happen. to
1: choose, I take the present over the song. <laughs> well, you don't get to choose. <laughs> it's not
2: like it's your birthday.
1: My mother will be there, and so there will be singing. Yes, yeah. excellent.
0: Cool. Alrighty. So we have a lot of events going on in the coming weeks. Um, So we will not be back for Fully Grown next week, but the following week, we would love for you to be with us again. In the meantime,
2: though, we do want to wish that you would stay healthy, stay hopeful, and go in peace to love and serve the Lord.